why you started Giggle, and and even before that, um, I saw that you were a screenwriter in the in the mm-hmm. states. Some very interesting, uh, if I could put it that way, um, events happened. Yeah. It sounded like some some things happened, mm-hmm. and that kind of formed uh, or helped form formulate this idea. And I think you you might have mm-hmm. processed it with your mother. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, that, and, and you both yeah. came up with this thing with Giga, which um, well, when I read it, I thought, well, it's a, it's, it is a good idea. I think it's fantastic. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So basically, uh, yeah, so I moved to um, LA in 2009 as a 24-year-old. And God, if I if I knew then what I know now, what I've gone as this naive 24-year-old with no contacts, nothing. I just got on a plane and went, I'm going to go and write movies. I was I, It seemed like a great idea at the time. Um, and it was actually, I was really lucky. I, within, I think it was like 15 months, I sold my first script, which I had to do to be able to stay there because I had to get a working visa. So I was like leaving the country every three months. I was doing the visa waiver to be able to stay. Sold my first screenplay, which got me signed to WME, which is one of the biggest talent agencies in Hollywood. Um, got, so got agents, got managers, um, who were all men. Um, and so yeah, got in the industry quite easily and it's sort of the visa part of it is important because my visa was it was um had to be signed off by my agents and managers like that's who was sponsoring it basically and the first visa i had it was sponsored by my agents and the second visa was by my managers um and so the visa lasted for three years and so it meant that like that and so i could only earn money by selling screenplays i couldn't do any other work i couldn't even there was one um deal that i had where they wanted to put me on as a producer but they couldn't because i was only legally allowed through immigration to write to make money selling screenplays so i couldn't even at that point be have any extra work or paid as a producer um so i was you know, so, my, the, so the control over my own life was limited you're sort of in this very vulnerable situation yeah um, and when you sell screenplays or write screenplays in Hollywood, basically they send your script out, your agent's manager sends your script out to all um, producers and executives um, in the industry that would fit, be a potential fit. And either some, either some of there's bids for it or some will take it to a studio, all different things. Anyway, so either it gets bought or it doesn't regardless of whether it gets bought or not you then go out on what are called general meetings because everyone then wants to meet you this person who wrote the script and see what else you have if there's anything that maybe ideas that they have that you would be the right person to write the, the screenplay now most writers in hollywood are men um very few women um and i would actually say at the moment there's even less because me too hasn't really kind of the welcomed women into the industry they've just gone well we just won't have women that that was that's too difficult look what happens so yeah most screenwriters are men to the point where like most even movies for women are written by men like I remember I was still working in the industry when that movie Bad Mum came out. It was like a Mila Kunis comedy. And it was yeah. written by men. And I was like, you couldn't find a woman to write a movie about, a comedy about motherhood, really. And so so it's always this like little battle. And so I was just finding myself in these rooms with male execs and producers, because again, most they're mostly men, um, who would... It would be started off like sometimes it would just be flirtatious, and then I had some that would go like, Oh, instead of a 
daytime meeting, we'll go and have a drinks meeting. And remember, they're mostly meeting men. So meeting like some 27 year old woman from Australia, I would have called, very much referred to myself as a girl at that point. I mean, I was so young and naive. Um, yeah, it, I, it changes the nature of the meeting to some of these men, or at least it did at the time. Okay. And I, you know, when you're on my side of it, you're just in a perpetual state of desperation because you're just like, I have to get the next job because I yeah. have to make money or I'm going to starve to death. Yeah. Or I have to move back, like give up everything that I've sacrificed and worked hard for and move back to Australia. And so basically, yeah, the sexual harassment sort of started. Like I always say, I got into the industry quite quickly and easily and it was like quite lovely. And then once I was in it, the hell began. Whereas I always thought that it would be hell to get into the industry, but that just yeah. wasn't how it was for me. And so just basically the first time it happened, I had this producer basically in the end of a meeting, please put his hand down my pants and grab me. And just, it was just the grossest experience I've ever, one of the, at that point I had, that I'd ever had. And I immediately went and told like my, my the, all the guys that represented me and they were like, yeah, oh God, what a prick. Like, that's just what happens. Like, but he Boy. wants a script to use, so just write him a great script and it will be, you know, all will be good. And I was like, no, I don't want to do that because I don't want to ever be in a room with this guy again. I never want to see him again. And so I didn't write the script. And so whose professional reputation do you think was affected? Mine. And so it happened two other times and I, and no one cared. So I stopped telling anyone and it just, I suppose, internalizing it, I just was falling deeper and deeper into a pit of depression and desperation. Yeah. And it affected, I couldn't write. I, I got to the point, I just could not write. Yep. And so, yeah, I mean, eventually I, in 2018, I, I came back to Australia. I was just coming back for three weeks as like a holiday to just reboot and try and recover. Cause I was a shell of a person. Yeah. And while I was here, I was like, actually, no, I really need to do some therapy. So I went into therapy, extended my trip to stay home. Keep in mind, my best friend was in New York, was looking after my dog. And so I was like, I have to get back to my dog. Um, and then, so yeah, it was like, okay, I'm gonna stay for two months have some therapy in that time while I was in therapy I was my therapist was saying like you need to reconnect with women to build your trust in people again and you need a good female support network around you yep and then my mum and I like at the end of every day would talk about it over a glass of wine which some horrible media people always just take, cut out the rest of it and go, oh, she just thought of it with her mum over a glass of wine. I'm like, no, there's a lot of context there. Don't try and make me sound ridiculous. Um, we would just sort of be try to unpack all of the stuff because my mum was also quite traumatized by what had happened to me. Just, you know, yeah. as in a mother trying to be protective of her daughter and feeling out of control of it all. And it was mum who said one night, she was like, we should create a place where women can just go and connect and there's just no men there and so they can help each other. Yep. And so Giggle formed from that conversation. So I basically came home for three weeks but have now been here for <laughs> four years and had a baby. So apparently I'm not going back <laughs> for any time soon. <laughs> Did your dog make it over here? No, because he is, uh, he's half Pomeranian, half Pekingese and Qantas and Virgin won't bring over Pekingese because they're short snout dogs and he'll, he could, he could die oh, okay. and he's 12 now so he's not he's too old to fly but it actually was a happy story because my best friend's brother um had a, very, a huge tragedy his wife suddenly died and it was horrible and puck my dog 
just sort of fell in love with him and Puck sort of became his emotional support dog and they live together now and like uh, and Darius is like six foot five and just this giant man with this tiny little fluffy dog and they adore each other so Puck has a whole new meaning in life and I feel like it was sort of meant to be in fate and I'm very happy with how yeah. that turned even though I miss him <laughs> but yeah so basically we that's that was the story behind starting Giggle and so we you know we worked out like we developed we spent all of 2018 and 2019 developing it and building it and everything and then in February 2020 it was on the app store on Google Play and we just got thrust into this transphobic bigoted category where we had n we weren't even thinking of it in these terms and so and we had no idea what was going on and so I'm at the point now where I just sort of feel like my entire professional life I've just been attacked by guys I've just been attacked by men for doing something for women um, and you just have to navigate it. Yeah. So, yeah, it it's crazy. <laughs> Sorry, your your story. As a, I've got a I've got a son and a daughter, and um, I would just be devastated if I heard that story from coming from my daughter's lips. I think. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's I can under I can. I mean, that's how my mum and dad felt. Yeah. Yeah, because they, my mum said that she'd spent her my whole you know childhood, adolescent, teen years, and early adult years mm. trying to protect me and she yeah. was very shocked about that um and then sent me off into the world and all of her worst nightmares happened mm. and so that's what and why we sort of were like oh creating a place where women could talk to each other is that when basically when me too started to happen yeah when like the harvey weinstein story broke and so all these women started speaking up um I had I contacted other women in the industry. They contacted me. We suddenly were reaching out to each other and being like, "Oh, these are all the things that happened to me," and we all thought we were the only ones because that's how it make they the, the industry is so isolating. And then I think even in the world, like women are always meant made to feel like it's only happening to them and it's their fault. They've done something wrong to deserve it. And so we were like, had we been able to connect like this and got had a place where we could go to to just say what was happening in our lives without there sort of being crying male eyes there maybe this would have been different and so that's, yeah. that's really where we have come from and we we still maintain that and we haven't um veered from it so when you know i'm taken to the human rights um commission to be told that i have you know i've got to let a male on the app i'm like absolutely no way there's so many places for him to go yeah his gender identity is quite irrelevant to me. Yeah. He's still a man. And not only do I not want him on there, all of the other women on there don't want him there. So I, I, you can try all you want, but you are fighting to be let into a place you're not welcome or wanted, which seems like an odd fight. Yeah. So, we, yeah. 